Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. And this episode, we're discussing SST41, the full length by Worm Feast. Very interested to get into this one. I know, Brent, you and I, we were pretty big fans of the Worm single when we reviewed that for episode SST11. That's the We're Off, I'm Dead single. So looking forward to talking about this one. I, uh, I seem to recall, though, in our last episode, you had too many Dosh spiels, so you thought there would be uh, some holdover and maybe some worm spiels. And then some. Okay, well, lay it on me. All right. Let's see here. Where to start? Oh, uh, so some some cool, uh, a, a good recommend, I guess, from Mike, our friend of the pod, Michael T. Fournier. Uh, Gas Kill is the name of the band. They covered My War, start to finish. Uh, they're from New Bedford, Massachusetts. And uh, Michael's band, you remember he has a band called Dead Trend, his hardcore yep. band? Yeah. Uh, so they played with this with this band, Gas Kill, at some point. And I checked it out, and man, it's good. It's like, uh, well, I'll just let you check it out. It's not like they kind of do it in their own style, which is, is really good. Are there any, like the band is Gas Kill, are there any non-My War Gas Kill records too? Yep, there are some on their band camp. They're more of like a metallic hardcore band, maybe. But I really like the My War stuff. I listen to the whole thing. It's really good. Okay, I'm on it. Yeah, we'll post it too. Let's see, what else here? Oh, I have some other podcasts I want to mention a few things about. Uh, there's a new pad- podcast called That One Time on Tour. It's this guy, Christopher Swinney. He played in some bands. And he has Kira Rosler on his podcast. It's really new. He just started it. I mean, for hardcore flagheads, there's really nothing you don't already know in the interview. But it's always cool to hear from Kira. So keep it up, Christopher Swinney. And everyone should check out that one time on tour. Duly noted. Yes. Turned out a punk. We've talked about before. Damian, Damian Abrams from Fucked Up has a podcast it's great he's got tons of awesome guests on there just kind of running the gamut of punk rock from old hardcore guys to like you know newer like fat records type stuff so i was painting my basement the other day and i had a bunch of them downloaded and i just binged a bunch and a few of them kind of stuck out mostly because of sst connections uh he had jake schwarzenbach from uh, Jawbreaker and Jets to, Jets to Brazil on one. He was talking about uh, a band called Magnolia Thunderpussy and how great they were. You ever heard of them? No. Me neither. Uh, but he says they were this cool band that were signed to SST and then broke up before their album could come out. Ooh. So I googled them and there's a website for them that looks like it's looks old, like older like maybe around 2005-ish, I think maybe I saw on there. And they kind of, uh, it looks like they reactivated and uh, put their album out that never came out in the 80s. Oh, cool. And there's a press release too that they had done at the time, posted on this website. And they mention on it that they were like the only high school band, like high school age band to ever be signed to SST. <laughs> <laughs> they uh recorded this album in like 85 
And there's a, on the CD that they pressed up when they reunited, there's a live set on it from, from back then too. And they disbanded in 86 before they could release the album. They played with bands like Flag, Swa, DC3, Lawndale, Saccharin Trust. I don't know, it sounds like a, a lot like a mashup of like Minutemen, Meat Puppets, and Black Flag. I'm on it. Yeah. You, you might you might find it interesting. And it was cool that he mentioned it, so. Yeah, totally. Uh, what else? Oh, the other one I wanted to mention from Turn Out a Punk. Jerry A. from Poison Idea, the singer. So he grew up, I think he grew up in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, but they were mostly based out of Portland. It's a real, you'd like it because he talks a lot about like the wipers and all kinds of stuff. He's really knows his shit. Uh, Damien usually starts the podcast by going, you know, how did you get, how did you get into punk? How did you first encounter the genre? And I don't know if this is how he first heard about it, but, or how he kind of expanded his horizons, but he goes, uh, that guy, Joe Carducci, who wrote that book, (laughs) (laughs) that book. Yeah. He, he goes, he, he had a radio show in Eugene, Oregon and played all kinds of insane shit and totally got me into all these like rough trade bands. And he had a air quotes record store that you had to walk up like these four flights of stairs to get to. And it was just like a table in this room with like 20 records laid out on it. That was Joe Carducci's record store in, in Eugene, Oregon. Wow. Yeah. So you should check it out. It's really good. What else do I have here? Oh, a listener, Henry Weld, <laughs> messaged us and said, uh, he goes, uh, hey, the other guy on the podcast expresses some difficult difficulty with the cadence of the Matrix etch- etchings. Yeah, oh, me? Yeah, you. Difficulty with the cadence. Okay, keep going. Yep. So you have this book, I think. I don't. Um, the Spot Book, Sounds of Two Eyes Opening. Comes yeah. with a seven inch. Yes. And it's spot reading the etchings as poetry. And the backing track is a f- black flag sound check. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, I've you... got that single. Yeah, I know you knew. do. I just didn't know if you knew that or not. Like that that's are what both, it was. Are, are both of you just suggesting that I should like play that instead of try and speak them now from on? Oh, maybe. I don't know. It's uh you know, in order to get that single too, you had to order it right from the publisher, like as a special extra super expensive version. And I do have it. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Well, Spot wrote most of those, I think. Hey, so. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, I will, I'll work on it. Let's see how I do on uh, the feast run out grooves here in a bit. Yeah. Uh, another one, uh, somebody posted on one of the Facebook groups, the SST Facebook groups, a press release dated March 18th, 85. The subject of it was, did you see this? The subject, upcoming SST releases. And then it says, brace yourself. Here is the schedule of releases on SST records for the winter and spring and summer of 1985. It says, commit this to memory, plan your life around this schedule, and then eat this piece of paper. Failure to do so could jeopardize everything. And it has the titles like all jumbled up. There's big gaps in the catalog numbers. And some say things like, like one of, it just says black flag and then in brackets, instrumental, no title yet, as in the process of weeding out. And SST40, which we just did, which was Dos Domin, is listed as uh, Henry Rollins, Lydia Lunch 
LP called Help Us Hurt You. Pretty interesting. And there's big yep. gaps in there too. So it just kind of furthers the the theory that they were le- releasing stuff way out of out of sequence. Out of sequence and too uh, too fast to keep track. Maybe I think I may not have that exact one, uh, but I do have a number of those types of press releases that talk about like that that I would have found in the LP when I bought it in the store or whatever used, you know, 10 years or whatever after it was released, a a bunch of those and then a bunch of tour schedules and stuff like that. And in the mid to late eighties when they would just, I don't know if those were sent out to record stores or to radio stations, but they ended up in a lot of uh, record jackets when you would buy them used. And it's very cool. And it speaks to, the insane pace that SST was moving at for the next few years here. Yeah, for sure. Okay, one other thing I wanted to mention. Since we're getting into 1985, we should talk about a few other people that kind of have come up on my radar here uh, who were heavily involved with SST around this time who we haven't mentioned yet, I don't think. Jordan Schwartz, he uh, did that zine, We Got Power. Yep. So he, with with Dave Mar- David Markey, though, yes, too, right? Yes, yes. So uh, he started working at Global with Chuck uh, for tour booking and PR. And then this is uh, from Joe Carducci. He told, tells me after, Joe, after he left, Joe Carducci, uh, SST and Global moved into the same office. And then Jordan was with SST proper. And he's also on the cover of Annihilate This Week. That's Jordan Schwartz. There is a book like that collected... If not all of them, most of the We Got Power zines. And it's put out on Bazillion Points, that uh, publisher yeah, they've or whatever. Got, they've got tons of cool, great books. They have a Link Ray book coming out. Yeah. This is a, a very, very cool book that kind of reproduces much of the We, we Got Power stuff. But also just has tons and tons of pictures and whatnot from that era of the whole SST crew. Very cool book. Right on. David Markey, Jordan Schwartz. There you go. And uh, Kara Nix, too. So she was a indie buyer for this for a big store. I think it was called Warehouse Records. And it was in Hollywood. And she was living with D. Boone's sister, Janine, uh, who was injured in the van crash. And Janine was working at SST. And she told Mugger, uh, because she was too injured to, to go back to work, to replace her uh, with Kara. And she worked in distribution and publicity uh, from, I think, 1985 until 1990. And speaking of books, I think I maybe gave this a mention in one of the other episodes. She has a whole chapter in this book called We Were Going to Change the World, Interviews with Women from the 1970s and 1980s Southern California Punk Rock Scene by Stacy Russo, forward by Mike Watt. You did mention that a number of episodes ago. Yeah, so she's got a whole chapter in it, and she talks about roadieing for Black Flag, the Meat Puppets, working at SST, going to tons of shows, hitchhiking around. She's got a really great story about hitchhiking to see Black Flag. Let's see, who else is in here? Alice Bag, Exine Cervenka, Kira, Texacala Jones, tons of people. So everyone who's interested in uh, SST and or Southern California punk rock should check that one out. That's all I have for spiels, Ryan, but I do have some breaking news that we have to 
I have to get out there. I have to spiel for the dudes before we uh, get into worm feast. So speaking of Spot, he had a bunch of pictures up at a gallery show at Cornelius Projects in San Pedro recently. And there were some worm ones. So I asked him and he's going to uh, let us use some of the worm pics to post this week. Nice. On our social media. So everyone should uh, go over to... In particular, our Instagram or our Facebook, they're both at MojackPod. We post them on Twitter, too. It's all at MojackPod. Thanks to Spot for that. Everyone should go to Spot's website, Spotinator, Spotinator.com. He's got, speaking of Spot books, you can still get his old one that we just mentioned, and he's got a new book, too, Anti-Punk Rock, A History. His first book is really good. It is, uh, it's not just punk, either. It's like California skating beach life but the the photography the style the pictures are really cool it's a it's a good read as far as photo books go and it comes with a seven inch where he reads all the run out grooves (laughs) it's a must have yeah hopefully that other guy will get better at uh, reading them on this podcast yeah everybody should get that so they don't have to rely on us to (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and the other thing is, uh, we have a blog now, Ryan, so everyone can check that out. It's, uh, mojackpod.com. Uh, we'll have more info in the upcoming weeks, but we're going to hopefully be publishing the same day this episode comes out, a new interview with Joe Carducci. And I ask him about Magnolia Thunderpussy and I ask him about some worm stuff and, uh, about that about the catalog numbers being jumbled up. I asked him about the uh, Henry Rollins, Lydia Lunch album and all kinds of other stuff. So check that out on mojackpod.com. Right on. Is that it for worm spiels? I think so. Okay, I, can I, keep, I, I can keep going if you like. <laughs> I'm worried. I only have one. Lightweight. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, you don't get off that easy. It, Maybe it's a spiel. Maybe it's a, a new segment. And, okay. But it's got to it's got to be econo. Okay. All right. This is this is the deal for this segment. It goes a little bit like this. It's not who's your favorite band, the Beatles no. or the Stones. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that's too easy. It's the replacements. Right. No, it goes a little bit like this. Hey, Brant. Yes, Ryan. What you been listening to? How. <laughs> uh, what have I been listening to? Give me, uh, give me a, three, give me a three banger. Let's go. A three banger. Uh, oh, geez. I'm trying to look over at my record stack here. Jeez, man, I don't know. I've been listening to. Well, I think I mentioned last week. I got those uh, Sister Goddamn albums. I've been listening to those quite a bit. Oh, I listened. I got the new Dylan Carlson this week from Earth. He's got a new album out. Under his own name. Okay. It's pretty yeah, good if you, li- if you like what he does. Is it kind of drony like those Earth sub-pop albums? Yeah, it's like a mix between those and like the new Earth stuff that's kind of got like a spaghetti western style almost to it. Okay. Yep. Hey, Brant. Yes. What, el- what else have you been listening to? <laughs> uh, oh, um, what else have I been listening to? Uh... I don't know, man. Worm? Yeah, yeah, me too. What have you been listening to? 
Well, I actually I listened to a fair amount this morning because I was working in my office, and uh, I said it has to be Econo. Yours was a little unecono. I'm going to go Econo here. Well, you got to. So, I have to. Well, now that I know this might be a new segment, I'll come prepared. Yeah. Most okay. mine wasn't Econo because I was mostly going ooh uh, uh and trying to look <laughs> over at my record stack. Yeah. Well, at least you know who's who's the best band, the Beatles or the Stones. Anyways, so listening to today in my office while doing work, listening to Truly, that band with Hero and uh, from Soundgarden and Mark Pickerel from The Trees, uh, Speaking Canaries, guy from Don Cab's side project, a little bit of Expando Brain. Expando Brain, uh, what's that? Expando Brain. They're um, like a mid-80s, they really sound like an SST or Homestead type band, but they're on a, ba- uh, a label called Vacant Lot out of New York. I don't know much about them, but I'm pretty sure they're from New York too. I like that name. Or maybe not. I think they say Sudbury. They, I think they're from Sudbury, Massachusetts. Spando Brain. The album is called Mother of God. It's Expando Brain. That's a good album. Also listening to a Men Folk album that I just got, Beast One, Man Nil. They kind of sound like shellac. You'd hate it. Um, <laughs> um, an old uh, Polish band that I still like listening to, something like Elvis. Very cool post-punk with accordion in it. And I've been listening to that Mesthetics that you recommended. Boom, that's it. That wasn't that Econo either, man. Super Econo. You want to get uh, into some worm? Hell yeah. History lesson, part one. Ryan, I'm going to recap us. It's been 30 episodes since we last visited with Worm, so hit us. Well, I don't have to do much. I should mention, we've got a guest his loudness is on the podcast today. Lou! Loud Lou. And uh, it's a great interview, so thanks to his loudness for doing that. Here's a little recap, though. Here's some Worm history. Chuck Dukowski had brought back Worm uh, for the three-song, seven-inch single, We're Off, in 82. And this was during the uh, Black Flag hiatus because due to the unicorn legal troubles. Flag resumes, and then... Worm reunited again in 1983 after Chuck is out of flag. And they add a vocalist this time, Simon Smallwood. We'll talk a little bit about Simon in a bit here, but I will just say if Chuck was looking for something different as a vocalist, he certainly found it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yep. And uh, then they split up during the recording of the album, Feast, and it got shelved until 85. They all went their separate ways. Ed goes on to uh, Reign of Terror, Power Trip, and The Mentors. Uh, Lou was also in The Mentors, and sounds like he's currently playing drum, drums in like tons of bands, I think mostly blues stuff. And that's about it. Ed Danke has since unfortunately passed away. He passed in 1991, and Simon passed away in 2006. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Simon's band that he was in before worm they were called dead hippie did you check them out at all i have not what are they like they are like well the vocals are quite dramatic (laughs) (laughs) they're a little surfy they've got some death rock stuff happening they've got some psychedelic stuff they're just like they're don't sound that different from worm to be honest with you so there was a few different people in the band uh this guy mars uh paul mars black played drums and he was in a in that band the Mau Mau's. Do you know them? I don't. Nope. 
They were like an L.A. band. Rick Wilder of the Berlin Brats was the singer, I believe. Paul uh, also played drum in, drums in that band, the Joneses. Do you know them? I don't. Oh, my gosh. The Joneses. What do I know? The Joneses. Well, I'm not surprised you don't know the Joneses. They were like... Uh, are these all metal bands? No, the Joneses are like, uh, you know, a proto-Guns N' Roses almost. They were like uh, Thunders, Dolls, or Heartbreakers, Stones kind of a thing. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I don't mind that type of stuff. Yeah. Kind of more of a punk vibe. Maybe a bit more like the Hangman or something like that. But way before that. he So Paul was in that band. He was a drummer, but he was also the first vocalist in L.A. Guns. Co-wrote some of the tracks on their debut album, which is a killer album, I have to say. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet you you like L.A. Guns. I like the first <laughs> album, yep. <laughs> I bet you I've never heard them before. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're missing, it's your loss, dude. And uh, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> another, another name that came up when I was kind of, there's not much on Dead Hippie out there, but another name that came up was Deborah Exit. And she has a couple tracks on that Taste Test number one compilation that I think we've mentioned before. Yeah, we have, definitely. New Alliance release. Yep. It's got some great stuff on it. Um, Screaming Trees. I think it's all live on KXLU. Yep, and there's some uh, good Firehose songs Firehose, too. Firehose, D. Boone, and the Stone Puppies. Yep. Universal Congress of. D. Boone does themselves on it. Uh, Always August is on here. Lawndale. Criminy, that's Mike Watt, right? Yeah, it's Criminy and I think Paul Rosler. I'll I'll check that. Hang on. Yeah, Criminy is Paul Rosler. They've got um, like a 12-inch EP out on New Alliance, and they also have a 7-inch. Yeah. On New Alliance. So I'm not sure if Deborah Exit was in Dead Hippie or if she maybe just performed on the album. Uh, ask me what you're listening to. You want me to ask you now what you've been listening to? Yeah. Hey, Brant. Yeah. What you've been listening to? Taste test number one. <laughs> <laughs> I did listen to this today, or most of it. And the Deborah Exit song is really cool. I looked up some of the, the people that play on this track with her. Because I think she was maybe more of a poet than, it, than a band person. But Tony Cicero plays on it. He was maybe involved in the Vita project that we've talked about before. Right, like that's a Dez band, right? Dez, Tom Tricoli, George, George Hurley. Uh, he was in a band called Left Insane and a band called Rhythm Collision. And then uh, this guy, Paul Radabau, was also in Left Insane. He plays guitar on this track. But then, SST Connection, Kenny Ryman and George Radai. Kenny played keys, George played bass. They were both from Paper Bag. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. So, anyways, back to Dead Hippie. A little bit of a sidetrack there. They had one album. It's called Living Dead. It was came out on this label called Pulse Records in 83. There is, I mean, his vocals are insane. Maybe a little less theatrical on this one, but still really out there. He sounds, to me, more like uh, Thomas Antona from Alice Donut. On the Dead Hippie album. Okay, that's good. I found one video of them on YouTube from like this new wave theater show. And uh, the dude, the host, asks 
uh, Simon Smallwood one question and he just reads this like two to three minute rant about how <laughs> screwed up the world is and it's and and then uh, hands the mic back to the host and he just yells dead hippie <laughs> so that's Simon Smallwood as I mentioned and you'll hear this um, I think uh, Loud Lou maybe refers to it in the interview but it sounds like both him and Ed maybe uh, fell on some hard times and uh, unfortunately are no longer with us. Yep. I mentioned the band Reign of Terror, too. So they have one single out, as far as I could tell. It's a two-song single, Don't Blame Me and Big Things. Both are up on YouTube. They're worth checking out. They used, apparently, the same P.O. box as SST. And these tracks are kind of famous for being on one of those Bloodstains uh, comps, Bloodstains Across oh. California. Right. And so it's it's Lou, Ed, or no, sorry, Ed, I think maybe Lou, but I'm not sure, Ed Danky for sure, Jesse Fix from The Stains. Oh, okay. Is in the band. The A-side's a real ripper. It's good late 70s style punk rock. And I looked it up on Discogs and it goes for about 1500 bucks. Woo! Median, yeah. There's no way they're the only Reign of Terror, too. There's got to be a zillion other Reign of Terrors. You'd think so. Yeah, that's the Don't Blame Me one. Yeah, it doesn't look like Lou is in that one. Okay. So that's kind of worm. We'll hear in the interview that it doesn't sound like they maybe were around too long. Chuck was maybe already... I think Chuck was, like, looking to play. You know what I mean? And kind of thought that maybe worm was... This is all speculation on my part. But, like... You know, I'll just get Worm back together. Maybe that wasn't panning out, so he kind of ditched that and then got Swa going instead. Yeah, I, I've always kind of thought, well, not always. I mean, when I was listening to the record this week, I was kind of wondering, like, where did this come from and why did they go away? And that makes sense, especially after hearing Lou's take on it. We should mention, too, just a couple of other things about Worm that, you know, they didn't last that long, but they appear on a number of SST releases. We mentioned the We're Off, I'm Dead single, SST 11. They're also, we also saw them on the Blasting Concept 1, yep. SST 13, Program Annihilator 1, which was uh, SST 66. Also on Blasting Concept 2, SST 43. I'm assuming and, that's going to be an unreleased track, maybe? A lot of those are. Yeah. Blasting Concept 2 is very different than 1 because yeah. it's it's all unreleased stuff, which will be very cool we'll to get into. If you, is it all unreleased? Ugh, I don't know that for a fact. We'll find we'll, out in a few uh, weeks. I don't want to say anything because um, the central scrutinizer will strike again. He might. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, Worm appeared as uh, a lot of SST bands did on you know a later compilation type thing too they're also that first single is on sst 70 the seven inch wonders of the world so worm appear on no less than six sst releases notwithstanding they were barely around yeah should we get to the interview with his loudness i need some lou lou thanks for joining us on the podcast today how are you doing I'm doing fabulous down here in California, hanging out, sunshine, wild women, having a great time. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, you guys okay up there? Yeah. Is it, is it do- cold as hell up there or is it warming up? Oh, it's warming up. It's summertime here oh, now. Oh, that's good. Can you take us back to uh, the worm days? We're talking about uh, specifically the Feast album, but maybe you can go back a little bit and talk to us about how the band got started in the first place. At my age, I hardly even remember the band. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know. Wow. I was funny you should mention that because I was telling my wife yesterday because she has no idea who Worm was or anything. And she was at the jam at the house yesterday because I have a studio in my house. We were jamming there. Right. And uh, she really did because she wasn't into that punk scene at that time, but we were not in the same circle, I guess you'd call it. Anyway, uh, so what happened was I was at work one day and back in the day they had a uh, little newspaper called The Recycler and they had different sections, you know, selling stuff, you know, things wanted, musical equipment for sale and said musicians wanted and it said, uh, band looking for animalistic drummer, blah, 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 blah. Uh, contact uh, Ed or, or at the time, I don't even know if I should say his, his real name, right? Bass player's real name, uh, because it's not Chuck. Yeah. And uh, call us. So they called me up. I went down there, um, auditioned for him. Never heard their music before in my life. And uh, they just came out with this massive wall of sound, which was fabulous for me because that's what I loved. But the problem was I was playing to the stadium shows during that time because that was like early, like 76, 77. So I had me a double bass drum set, four toms across the side, two on the floor, a complete set of roto toms, right? And like a big kit. Neil Pert set, yeah. right? Pretty much. Yeah. And Chuck walks over, looks at my drum set. He goes, oh, another Hollywood drummer, huh? <laughs> well, I took that very personally. <laughs> and it was in my head, I said, fuck you. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I say that on the oh, podcast? Yeah. yeah. No, say whatever you want. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, fuck this guy. Who does he think he is, right? And he goes, okay, let's try it. Right? And he was like all, you know, bummed out. He wasn't. I, I didn't show up, you know, my punk regalia and my, with three drums and that's it, right? Yeah. So uh, they started playing, and I started playing. I just played as hard and as fast as I could. And by the end of the night, I was their drummer. That was at a place in San Pedro called The Mermaid. It was an old uh, porno house. And uh, we were playing on the actual stage <laughs> there, and uh, they rented out and were living there for a while. And we rehearsed, started practicing, did a couple of gigs. Then the place was, they were turning down the building, so we had to find another place. So we located Cabrillo and uh, Street on Torrance. Then from there, we ended up in Hermosa Beach on 1313 Strand, the old Copper Tone building. Okay. And that's actually where everything started getting more complicated because panic moved into the room up next to us, right? Because we had the whole building. We ran out the room next to them so they could practice. And that was pre of the name Black Flag, right, with Greg. And yep. uh, they met Greg through selling equipment, which we were all supporting ourselves doing that. I had a regular job, but then they would stay at home and buy cabinets, fix them up and sell them and stuff or guitar or whatever it was. And uh, we started hanging out and living there and down in Hermosa Beach. And that went on for a while. And then uh, we got thrown out of there and... That was way later, I guess. So we were there for a while. We did our first, uh, the Worm EP on SST Records, because uh, Greg had his, the label was Greg's, and it was actually the name of his electrical company. Right. And he used that. And anyway, so we moved on, and uh, Worm, and Panic, and then Panic changed their name to Black Flag, and the first album, I don't know, or CD that was cut with Black Flag and Chuck on bass was... He was still in Worm. He wasn't even in Black Flag yet. They needed a bass player, so he played bass for him okay. in Media Art Studio. And that's how he ended up being in Black Flag. And did you guys record an album at Media Art that's lost to the sands of time? Is that true? No, no, no. We didn't. We, it wasn't the album. It was the EP. Oh, okay. It was the EP. The, little, the white one with the head exploding. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, the I'm well, dead. Songs on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm dead. We're off, and uh, time's coming to. Yeah, because yeah. I've read in various places that you guys recorded a full-length album, and then it the like the tapes disappeared or got erased or something like that. That was we call those the Vinovich tapes. We okay. recorded all these songs for a, for a producer guy named Vinovich, and uh, we never heard from them or him again. And I don't really know what happened to those tapes. You, uh, you've Chuck never heard them since. Those. Yeah, no, we never heard him since, uh, and it was it was actually at his house, at his studio. Okay. We did like run down, which I'd like to do again. I was talking to Chuck about that at the jam yesterday. Run down, uh, depth charge, you know, a bunch of songs. Although depth charge did get recorded on some other at some other time also, but yeah. So yeah, those were the Vinovich tapes. And were those songs songs that you some of those songs that you used when you did the Feast album, or was that all new material? That was all new material. Okay. So yeah. fat, fast forward to when. I'm presuming when Chuck's out of Black Flag, that is when Worm kind of gets reactivated. Is that how that played out? Yeah, basically it was like, uh, I don't know, it was, we were all like together all the time and Chuck wasn't, with, they, they weren't doing too much. He wasn't with Black Flag for a minute. And then we went, we had just recorded uh, a couple of songs for uh, uh, The Sounds of Hollywood, which is Black Swan, that compilation. And then we did uh, the Radio Tokyo tapes, which is actually our first compilation that we released I forget what song it was. It was even on there, the Radio Tokyo tapes, and that was Ethan James. Ethan is it Ethan James? Ethan. Yeah. Ethan. Yep. Uh, Ethan, Ethan James. Yep. He was actually the keyboard player from Blue Cheer. Yeah. And so, that was really cool for us because we like you know love Blue Cheer, right? We were like all total Blue Cheer fanatics. Anyway, uh, so we went to his studio and recorded one song there. And a couple months later, we said, well, let's just do an album there. So we went back to his studio and did the album Feast. And he did all the recording. And uh, the mix down was done by Ed and Chuck. And, uh, oh, I just found out yesterday that all the tambourine work yep. was done by Dez. Oh, okay. And the harmonica in uh, Song for Jimmy was Dez. Okay. On that album. Now, now were you an active band at this point? Oh, were you playing shows? Oh, or? yeah, we did a few more shows for a while. You know, a couple more, you know, nothing really like we were doing before. One point we went up to Frisco and uh, this old band that I bought, an old 56 step band, and uh, we went up there. And this is before Simon. Okay, this is just the three of us, you know. Uh, Simon was added in to do the vocals on the Feast album. And then we just did a couple of shows with him and that was it. Oh, okay. Like he, so he was specifically brought in for the album. Were you like looking for a singer, singer or did he kind of just happen? Like, how did that happen? It, it, I'm not really sure. Just like, you know, we were like hanging out and we knew him from Dead Hippie. He was a cool and he was a friend of ours. And I guess Ed got tired of singing and they wanted, some, you know, or something because there's a lot of musical chords going on and Ed was singing all those songs. So uh, it felt better with him just doing the guitar. And he he's, came in and did the vocals. Yeah, he's a pretty wild singer. Uh, was that oh, yeah. kind of something you were looking for specifically? Was something different or? At that point, I wasn't really in charge of a lot of the musical decisions because it was their band, really. I, w I just went along. I said, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. It works for me. It works for you. I'm good. You know, I like the phrasing that I did on some songs better than Simon. But yep. Simon had a different character to his voice that gave the songs a different dimension. So right. we had a guy. I, I, you know, personally had to give up one for the other because Simon gives us that. that like, like I, I don't even know what song it is, but I think it might be Feast, actually. Yeah. When he does it, that echo, that long echo thing, like. Ed could never do that kind of stuff, you know. And so, but uh, 98 Decibel Addiction, uh, I actually went off and after Warren broke up and did that song with another band. And I sang that one because I really like that song a lot. 
Yeah. Uh, Simon did a good job. Uh, padded cell. I like that vo- version of it better, but you know, we just left it all the same. Simon on vocals, you know. So uh, you know, it was cool. Simon was a cool guy. We had a great time, and uh, unfortunately, he and Ed are gone. Chuck and myself are the only ones still remaining for the band, which is really sad, man. Because wow, it broke my heart. Well, speaking of Simon, what can you tell us about the band Dead Hippie? They're also kind of a, a yeah, not very well documented band. Were they? No. I, I only saw him play a couple of times. You know, I really didn't know those guys that much. The only one I really knew was Simon. And that's because he was hanging out with us. And he did a couple of shows. And he was doing shows a lot. But uh, I, I, I don't know much about Dead Hippie, really. And you mentioned the song Padded Cell, which Black Flag had already recorded. Was that something that you that did That was actually after? our song. Be- and Chuck took that because he wrote to Black Flag. And they recorded it before us. But we were playing that song way before him. We had songs okay. like Bionic Baby, Padded Cell, I Heard It Before, which is another one that they recorded. Yep. But they do it over, they do it in their version, right? right Shorten it. Yeah. Okay? Our, I heard it before, is like 10 minutes long. <laughs> of course in the it is, of it, yeah. <laughs> in, in the middle, we go into the seeds. You know, you're pushing too hard. And uh, that's how we would play it. Uh, so, uh, you know, their version is much much shorter. And uh, same with Padded Cell. Was there a 60s influence there for you guys? I know you did Time, Time Has Come Today on the first single. We liked a lot of 60s bands. We like like Sir Lord Baltimore. I don't know if they were early seventies. Yep, yep, for yeah, sure. We, yeah, we were really into Sir Lord Baltimore, Thirteenth Floor Elevator. Uh, you know the Seeds. We loved the Seeds. That you know a lot of that influence was for us. Uh, we had all those crazy albums. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely into the MC Five. We loved those guys. Uh, you know, so that was that was our influence. A lot of our influence. What about like other seventies bands, like say? Like some of the prog rock bands, were you into that at all? I wasn't at all. I wasn't into progressive. I didn't. Nah, nah. That, that's not me. You know, yeah. I'm more from the gut pounding. You know, kind of guy. Yeah. You know, I got I got into Priest. You know, uh, I was a big Sabbath head, Grand Funk Railroad. You know, those kind of guys. Uh, I love those guys a lot. Um, you know, and uh, uh, not too. I knew Led Zeppelin, but I wasn't a big fan of Zeppelin or the Who. They were cool. I liked the drummers. That's why I listened to them. You know, uh, and but uh, yeah, and progressive rock was I was never really into them. Although there, yes was okay, yes was all right. Well, that, you know. that's funny you should mention yes. That's kind of why I'm asking is because rumor has it that that's where you got the name from. There's a a song no, on no, the Yes album no, called Worm. No, 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 no. This is where the name came from. Okay. Worm is actually a black hole, and then. When we started, they were, it was just a theory that was just coming around, and uh, uh, Ed was going to Occidental College taking physics, and that's where he got the name. Okay. The wormhole. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Okay, so that's why on Black Swan, the song we did uh, uh, on some compilation album, what was it, the Sounds of Hollywood album, it says, long ago, long ago, uh, Earth... Eight, uh, space people came through the ice and snow. They made a song, "Our God Was Love," you know. And then, anyway, so that's talking about the wormhole uh, and that happening. Okay. So no, well, we did I'm not. Glad we cleared we, that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yes, had nothing to do with. This. You know, that was interesting. Years later, we saw that they had a song called "Worm," but no, we got our name from uh, from uh, the the space uh, influence and in physics that it had. That's where they came up with that. Okay, hence the name of your jam space, the wormhole. Yeah, exactly. The, was the album in the can for quite some time? No, okay. actually, we did it really fast. It, it, you yeah. know, it was in, came out, and released pretty fast. And, and uh, uh, 
I don't know if you know dog sled on the front. Uh, is it not Su- Susie Gardner? Exactly. That's Susie. Yeah. Susie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was great. She was hanging around. Yeah. That's Susie. Yep. Was that, pl- was that planned specifically for the cover or was that just an image that you, you saw and liked? I don't know. That was them. They did the cover and all that stuff. Yeah. They were, you know, basically Chuck and Ed, basically Chuck, I guess, you know, uh, he was a driving influence because he was getting a lot of input and stuff from Greg and, and what's going on with that, that naval was happening. So you see what, you know, what should be done. Cause by 81, Flag was like, you know, cruising and, and their records were selling and they were touring and stuff. Things were going good, you know, yeah. and all that shit happened. And then he, he dissociated for a minute and, uh, he just knew what we needed to get out there. Okay. Was the, was the band active when the album came out or had you split by then? Shortly after we split, we were active when the band came out, but it was, it was, it was a sad bond farewell. Um, you know, I was really bummed. Things were happening. You know, I was doing my thing and heavily into drugs. Uh, and Ed was doing his thing and heavily into drugs. And uh, we just, you know, I was doing methamphetamine. I'm, I don't care. I'll tell everybody. <laughs> I was a big speed freak. And okay. Ed was doing heroin. Okay? And that did not mix at all. Yeah. So uh, it just, it wasn't good for us. We were both in bad spaces at that time. Do you know if there's any unreleased material or like d- really good live recordings or anything? We have a bunch of material that Chuck was talking about on cassette mm-hmm. that he was trying to put out and thinking about doing. He just hasn't gotten around to it. But uh, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff, but it's only cassettes. We like we record rehearsals and stuff and, and stuff like that. It would be like totally, really intense stuff if it came out. And he's, he's, he's thinking about it, hasn't quite done it, but he, we're trying to do that. We're trying to re release. Uh, a couple of things, you know, just things are happening. Also, I went with Ed to Reign of Terror. Remember Reign of Terror? Yep. Okay. I didn't. I didn't record the record, but I, but uh, I was touring with when I touring, playing with Ed around with Reign of Terror and Jesse Fix on bass. Me and Ed were doing that for a minute. And did you go on to play with the Mentors, or was that before? Yes, or... I did. <laughs> I mean, do take. So <laughs> then, what then would happen? Ed was in the Mentors for a while. Before then, I had done a few things. In fact, I'm on. Hustler Magazine, one of the interviews that, that the mentors are in, uh, he met, mentors me because uh, Eldon, God rest his soul, was drinking heavily. And he drinks so much he couldn't perform. Yeah. So I'd come in and go, now Lou, he's the only one that can sit there behind my drums and play them. You know, and it was, <laughs> you know we, were, we were good friends. And I, I, I owned a studio called Deafening Sound. And I have shows in there and the mentors would play and all that stuff. So I played quite a few shows with the mentors. Yeah, I was with them for a minute, and all things went on as they could do, and, you know, here we are now. Yeah. What What else have you been up to, musically or otherwise? Oh, gosh. I've been, I'm Currently, I'm playing with five different bands. Wow. Uh, I, uh, my, recently, I, well, I went to doing a lot of blues shows and stuff, and I, I hooked up with uh, the keyboard player for Freddie King. Okay, yeah. And Johnny Hooker. His name was Deacon Jones. Yep. Uh, and uh, I played with him for the last five years. We, we did some shows. Uh, went to uh, he went to Russia without us, but uh, we went to uh, Indiana. Did you know a lot of local shows up here, up north, all around. And uh, our biggest claim, my biggest claim to fame, actually, is uh, we started backing Garrett Morris. You know that comedian Garrett Morris. Yep. He was doing a blues show uh, in Comedy Act on uh, Saturday nights, and Deacon Jones became the house band, and so we were doing that every week for like three, four years straight. Oh, wow. And uh, until last year when Deacon passed away, we were doing it. That's so cool. that was a very sad time. But I've been doing that. 
I'm playing, I have my own band called Lou's Crew. We do this classic rock stuff. And then I play with another band called The Acronym, AKA The Acronym Band. And uh, we do classic rock and we do like the Orange County Fair and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I just play with different people. And Sunday nights, in fact, tonight I have to go host my, my regular weekly jam that I have in Gardena. Okay. And uh, I do that every week. So, wow, uh, you're still I'm pretty playing active. Lots, I'm still then. playing. Yeah. So. And you mentioned, uh, you referenced a jam. So did you, had you jammed with Des and Chuck recently? I had jammed with Chuck uh, last year. And you know Philo? Philo. Philo, Philo, Philo. What band does he play with? Oh, I'm sorry. My band, big band. I forget. Um, it's tough when you get old, you know, and all the drugs that <laughs> just totally ruins your brain. Yeah. Anyway, so don't do drugs. If you hear anything <laughs> from this podcast, don't do drugs. They're bad for you. You heard it from Loud Lou. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Believe me, I can tell you. Anyway, um, yes, we jammed last year for a minute, and then uh, Chuck's been talking about Des coming out and uh, maybe getting together or whatever, and then, bam, he calls me up on Tuesday or Wednesday and says, hey, do you think we can get together and jam, blah, 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 when Des is in town? I said, sure. I said, let me know when. He goes, oh, he's in town now. And I go, oh, <laughs> great. So I said, well, best we can do is, as soon as I can do, it'll be Friday, because I'm taking Friday off, because I have a daytime job, too. I have a regular regular gig that I do. Right. Uh and uh, I said, I'm, I'm taking Friday off because I have a gig in the morning. I said, we can get together after 4 o'clock at my place, my studio. And he said, okay, cool. So uh, we did that. And uh, that was really fun. That was yeah. fun. I, I got to play like Chuck Tukowski is the only person that plays where I can play like I like to play. Loud, fast, hard, and crazy. Yeah. Okay? Because you know Chuck, how he plays. Yeah. And that allows me to play like that. Nowadays, especially jamming with people my age, right? They're like, oh, too loud or too fast. Too loud. Ah, ah, oh, ah, oh. You know, let's, let's do some grooves. and groove this. I said, okay, you know. And I go along and I play it, okay? I can play anything with anybody anytime. But with Chuck, I get to work, you know? He pushes me and I push him. And, and we just, we've always, from day one, when I walked on that stage at the Mermaid, he just goes off and I go off with him. And we just go off, we fly, we soar. That's the, It's a feeling... I can't explain it. You have to be there. You have you just, when you soar with a guy like that and just go play, it puts you in space. It's like, it's cosmic. It really Probably is. Probably takes you back to, you know, why you started playing in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. But it's way beyond all that. It's, it's, it's like, it's, 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 I don't know. It's catharsis. I don't know for me anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, but, uh, and what are you guys doing when you get together? Are you playing worm songs or are you just, just jamming? Well, we just, uh, they came up, they plugged in the amps, because Chuck wasn't wild about the bass amp that I had. Naturally, I knew it wouldn't be, you know, it's only 150 watts and a 12-inch speaker, you know, so I plugged him through the PA. And he goes, next time I'll bring my amp, you know, it's 1,000 watts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then Des is trying out this, this amp that I just picked up, an old PV amp. And uh, we got those set, and we started playing, and we just kicked off and just jammed for like 15 minutes, just nothing, just playing, just going, you know, and just going. And then we stopped. Took a little break. Then uh, we came in and we tried to play I'm Dead. And we, we, we got it almost okay. It sounded, you know, it was a pretty okay sound, you know, because Dad didn't know the song, right? We taught him right. and then we tried to do a couple of the songs. And then we did that one, a song that Dad's recorded of a flag. And, you know, we were there for like three hours just playing, just having fun, just hanging out, talking, yeah. you know, uh, which was really cool. And, uh, Dez isn't sure if he's going because right now he's in uh, Philadelphia, Philly, I guess, somewhere, or New York, somewhere out back east, somewhere. I don't know where he's at. Okay. But he came out to see his mom, and he'll be leaving this 
I think Monday or Tuesday going back over there, but you know, he's going to come back maybe and see what cap. I don't know. It was just a jam. Really. It was just some old friends hanging out and getting together. We had a great time. Uh, and it was really cool. I only got, I don't know, one picture of us standing together and my wife took it and it's on her phone. So I don't even have it. We're all sitting there, the three of us, you know, looking old, man, we were looking, you know, we, we got old, all of us, but, uh, but it was cool. It was cool. It was fun. Uh, we talked about all kinds of memories and people and, uh, different things and, uh, you know, what's happening with us now. And, uh, but it, it took me back to like, wow. And I told my wife, I said, Chuck Dukowski is the only guy that I can play with like that because none of these other guys understand it. I put on worm records for the guys, the band now. I said, can we try this song? And they look at me like, what the fuck's wrong with you? You know, you crazy? <laughs> you know, I go, okay, okay, okay. Okay. We're going to try that one. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I put on I'm dead. They go, what? Who the fuck is that? Yeah. You know, so. Well, that's yeah, awesome like, that you guys got together and, and, uh, oh, if, yeah. if for nothing else, just to, to have that experience, you know? Oh yeah. It was great. It was cool. It was just, it was, yeah. Yeah. I think we all left feeling happy and, feeling good about everything and uh des goes let's go out to dinner i go no nah, dude i gotta go i got things i have to do and chuck goes no i have to get home he's like, okay fine <laughs> so, <laughs> but, so he's like out here on vacation basically you know yeah. uh but uh he was cool uh it was great i hadn't seen des in 30 years oh wow yeah i hadn't seen des in 30 years so, that's crazy anything else you want to tell me about worm that i'm forgetting to ask no really it's just that uh you know i i i I don't know. I just wish, you know, Ed Simon was still around, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would, I, I kind of, because Ed was, and, and Chuck were writing those songs then, and, and we were, we were called, we, apparently we were the first quote-unquote speed metal bands, right, whatever that means, right, you know, because after us came Metallica Slayer and all those bands, we were like crossing over from hardcore punk to melodic musical songs with leads in them, you know, I mean, and, and, and it's like, we were right there in the middle, and uh, when that term came out, I was playing with Reign of Terror, uh, Ed, you know, with Ed, that Ed thing and, and uh, Worm, and, uh, you know, two out of three or four bands were mentioned in Hollywood because there used to be a, a magazine called The Hollywood Reporter or some little stupid thing, Hollywood something, and it said, these are the speed metal bands around, and I was playing with two out of three or four of them, and uh, it was a new genre they were talking about, I don't know, you know, a little bit kind of punkish, but not quite because it's fast and hard and melodic and it was different, you know, and our songs yeah. were longer than two minutes. It reminds know? me a lot of uh, Overkill. Exactly. Well, they were on yeah. SST too. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I Kurt, you know, the, the bass player from yep. Overkill? Kurt Markham, yep. I, yeah, I see him yeah. all the time. Is that he right? Goes, yeah, he goes to the Blues Jam over there. In fact, he was going to give me a copy of Feast because the first time I saw him over at the Eagle's Nest uh, on Tuesday nights... He goes, he goes, I got a copy of your album. I don't even play it here. You, I'll give it to you. And he, well, he never did, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but that's, you know, he was in Overkill and, and Overkill were cool. They were, they were, yeah, they were great. Do you, yeah. do you not have a copy of Feast? Now I have several. Okay. Uh, a few years ago, my grandson, that's how old I am. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. for Christmas, I actually got online and went and bought a copy of Feast from Germany for $35. Oh, wow. That's awesome that he did. And that. had it framed for me. And to me for my Christmas present. Oh, that's special. Yeah, it, it was yeah. just amazing. So then, I, since then, I bought a couple more myself because I, you know, and I had one of those put on CD so I could play it in my car. It's, uh, yeah, it's cool. If Ed, I, and, I, if Ed and Simon were still around, do you think you would have done a show by now? 
Oh, of course, yeah. If yeah. It, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it was very sad what happened and how it happened. But yeah, he, I'm sure, hopefully, yeah, yes, I'm sure. I'm positive we'd be playing because we just love music. We have this passion to play, you know, just yeah. playing. It's, it's, it's a thing, you know. Right on, Lou. Thanks a lot for doing this and for being on the po- podcast. We we really appreciate it. So uh, best of luck with your future musical endeavors. Thank you for remembering us and stuff and, uh, you know, and, and who we were and what we represented, man, because uh, it was, it was, music was different then. And it was like uh, we were playing real shit from our hearts. Thanks so much, Lou. We really appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, we've been really fortunate the last few episodes to have some just some solid guys, some solid dudes come on the podcast and tell like it is. There's no way you can get that history any better than from them themselves. So we really appreciate that. And I really like hearing from Lou in particular. Um, well, and from Alex and Jim, too, from Das Damen, because the thing that really struck me about both of these interviews in a row is these guys are nice dudes. They're still friends with their bandmates. Yeah. And they still love music. And they look back on those times really fondly so we really appreciate them telling us uh, all these cool stories yeah how awesome is it that loud lou like the day after or the day prior to recording that had just jammed with des kadena and chuck dukowski yeah and just to hear him talk about playing with chuck and des it's just like the animal intensity just comes out right yeah very cool well, I mean, uh, when I was trying to set that interview up with Lou, I was like, can we do it this time? No, I'm jamming with a band. How about this time? I'm playing a show. Like, <laughs> I, th- I think he jams with like a dozen different bands. Yeah. His loudness does not stop. No. Let's talk about this album, Ryan. Let's get into it. History Lesson Part 2. I'm going to start this off by asking you a question, Brant. Okay, go. So I really didn't know much about this record at all, and you and I really liked the Worm single, SST11. Yep. How do you think I liked this record? I don't think you liked it. Yeah, not my cup of tea. Great playing, uh, and I really like Chuck's bass sound, great drumming, great guitar, but it is just not up my alley. But I bet you you liked it. I did. I didn't love it, but I liked it. Like, I would yeah. listen to it, you know? A big part of what I like about it is the vocals. Really? Yeah. Okay. You don't? Uh, that would be a big part of what was not necessarily my favorite part of it. Okay, well, let's go through the tracks, I'm, and I'm, I've got a little spiel on the second track I'm going to lay down on you, and we'll see if I can't get you to think about it differently, maybe. Okay, well, you made me re-listen to that DC record. You might make me re-listen to this one. All right. Uh, Side one. Starts out with Feast. Like, holy percussion on (laughs) Feast. No doubt. There's a tambourine, some bongos in the the middle, uh, some, like, blocks, you know? What's that thing called with that, like, that you run a sticker along that goes... Aguero. Yeah, there's Aguero. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I could do without them, to be honest with you, without the percussion. I think the track would have been way better for it. 
Love the oh, vocals. Really? I, was, I was like, you know what this track needs is some claves. <laughs> the vocals are insane. Uh, it's a good opening track for the album for me. And that is a Chuck Dukowski, Simon Smallwood co-write. Uh, the next track, Should We Be Proud? I wrote down that it could have been a flag song, I think, if it existed back then anyways. And uh, it's a Ed Danke and Simon co-write. Uh, there's some pretty ripping guitar from Ed in it. Let me lay this on you. I'm going to name some vocalists that I think you probably like, maybe a few that you don't, that I think he channels, or are probably more like they're channeling him. But I hear some Jack Grissom from TSOL in the more operatic parts. I hear some HR in there. I hear a whole lot of David Yao. And then I hear some, this is where I'm going to lose you. I hear some Tom G warrior, even from Celtic frost. Like he is Celtic who <laughs> never mind. We're not going into Celtic frost, but he's all over the place in, in a good way. I don't know how you could be such a huge David Yao fan and not appreciate what, uh, what Simon does in this band. Yeah. Well, I mean, just because I like, I like Yao doesn't mean I'm going to like someone who's Yao esque. Well, I mean, okay, maybe like is the wrong word, but like appreciate what he's what he's what he's trying to do. Well, well, listen, not none of what I'm saying means I don't appreciate it because if it's well done, I can find something in it. But by my, not my cup of tea. What I mean is that you know when I was listening to this, just just to compare this episode and the last episode. You know what songs were going through my head? That Das Domin 12-inch, still. Yeah. And that, and that, that's what strikes more of a core with me, that style, that type of music. It's no slight to worm that little old me is is not going to be a lifetime fan. No, I, I get still, it. It's, it's not, I still appreciate it. Yep, for sure. I get it. Track three, 98DA. I don't know what the DA stands for, but he says 98 decibel addiction. <laughs> that must be what it stands for decibel addiction he says that in the like in the chorus and then he screams dynamite blast which is awesome that's a yeah. ed danke and b landry co-write don't know who b landry is yeah track four bad habits uh it starts with a beavis laugh did you notice that <laughs> no. it's totally no. beavis and and i was thinking maybe it maybe it's mike judge like, wasn't he a punk oh. rocker, or am I getting him confused with Matt Groening from The Simpsons? Matt Groening was involved with Graining? some... Matt Groening was involved with some SST bands, and he even did, like, the, the cover artwork for Crazy Backwards Alphabet, for example. Uh, maybe Mike Judge had some sort of connection, but I'm not aware of it. Matt Groening, for sure. Matt Groening was really into a lot of crazy music, especially, like, Zappa and stuff like that. Right. Well, check out the Beavis laugh at the start of Bad Habits. <laughs> okay it's got a really cool uh riff and a tempo change halfway through it's kind of like this funky uh zz top style riff and there's i'm pretty sure i hear a cowbell in there it's it's really different from the first half of the song but it's cool side two the anti-matter side i'm just calling it that because it says anti-matter with like a colon yeah the label side a is matter side b anti-matter Starts out with probably the most famous song on the album, Padded Cell. 
And yep. that goes back to the Dez era of Black Flag, and it's on Damaged as well. And the Dez version is on uh, Everything Went Black compilation. The vocals, again, are very dramatic on this version, almost operatic at times. And that is a Chuck Dukowski, Ed Danke co-write. It's way different from the Flag version. Totally. Track six, Where Will We Run? He does like this operatic run at the start of the song, like just acapella. That's pretty, pretty good. I think this is the song. <laughs> e- <laughs> I think this is the song Ethan James gets the credit for uh, synth on. Cause there's like tolling bells and like these weird synth sounds. This one's got some real atmospheric stuff going on. It's got some nice distorted bass and it's almost gothy sounding. Yeah. What you can't deny about this record when I listen to it. And again, I can appreciate it still is the the musicianship and the just the utter creativity on this record, right? Yeah. It's just oozing. oozing. Yeah, I, the songs just go all over the place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's no, like, there. there's definitely not, you know, traditional song structure happening on this album. And uh, in the chorus, he goes, it's like, where will we run, my love? Like, really, like... T-S-O-L-esque kind of gives it that gothy vibe and there's even even some phasers on the guitar that kind of remind me of the T-S-O-L album Beneath the Remains which is one of my favorite albums so how did how do uh, how do those vocals go again I'm not doing it again <laughs> <laughs> but everyone should check that out uh, track 7 Nailed to the Wall is like a dirge there's more cool synth stuff on there uh, and track eight, Song for Jimmy, features Des Kadena on the blues harp. It starts with like a Chuck Berry riff, and it's got more of this ZZ Top vibe going on again, but then it just goes into this really weird, discordant flag-style riff that is totally different from what how you think it's going to go. It's really interesting. Both of those are Chuck and Simon rewrites. And it, it, the album ends with a song called Robin Doggin, it's got a little bit of synth, but then it's all Simon just doing his thing. Yeah, he was definitely a character. And I mean, it's too bad we lost him because I would be curious to hear what kind of stuff he'd be doing now, right? Yeah, well, he goes for it on this album, man. He does not hold anything back. Yeah. That's what I have to say about the tracks. We can talk about the record, like the, the cover art and stuff, if you're ready. Yeah, well, we should definitely talk about the jacket. There's a lot of information there and interesting stuff. Do you have this record? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, you take it away. Okay, well, the cover has Susie Gardner on it from L7. I think we've mentioned that before. Yep. And Joe mentions that in Enter Naomi also. He says, Chuck asked Naomi to shoot Susie Gardner as Eve with an apple at Spawn Ranch. Spawn Ranch, I'm pretty sure, is where the Manson family lived. There's a snake on her shoulder, but it's kind of hard to see because the it was shot with uh, like infrared film or however you do that. I, I didn't know that. I can't make it out, really. Yeah. And Susie, of course, we've talked about before, she sang uh, on Slip It In. Yep. Not Kira. Not Kira. And she also sings on that Circle Jerks album, like the reunion one that came out in like the 90s. That oddities, abnormalities, and curiosities. Yeah. She sings on that a little bit. But of course, 
She's most well known from L7. And I actually just got that L7 documentary, Pretend We're Dead. Haven't seen it yet, though. Haven't gotten around to watch it. But Did you buy it? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to borrow that off you. Yeah, man. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge L7 fan, but I definitely would check that out. I, I know that they've got a very interesting story. I was actually from that era, from that scene, and they're probably not as connected as I think they are. I was more of a fan of, like with female vocalists, more of a fan of the Gets or Seven Year Bitch. I like L7 a lot. So that's the cover. What's on the back cover, Ryan? On the back, there's a big spiel. I can only assume it's written by Chuck, who kind of gives a history of you know what Worm is all about. We'll have to post that, try to get a zoom-in shot of that. Yeah, he kind of talks about the album that they recorded that uh, the tapes got deleted. You mentioned that song when you're going through the tracks, 98DA, with yeah. a co-write of Ed Danke and B. Landry. Yeah. Right off the top in the spiel, it says the first drummer was Bill Landry. So well, there you go. Uh, I got to assume that's him. Missed that. Yeah, yeah. He And they go through that record that was, I guess, never released. And Lou spoke about that too. He called it the something tapes. I can't remember what he called it. Yeah, I can't remember either. But lost to the annals of time, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I, that one would have been with Ed Danke singing on it, right? Yeah. And Chuck probably too. Yeah. That would be amazing to hear that one. There's a lot of info then about just the credits. It says, you know, recorded at Radio Tokyo, although it's spelt Tokoyo. We've seen that before, I believe. Yeah. That typo. It's a common common typo. Yep. Venice Beach, California, produced by Chuck, engineered by Ethan James from Radio Tokyo. Lou mentioned him, former keyboardist for Blue Cheer. Guitar, Ed Danke, drums, Lou Hinzo. Loud Lou, comma, his loudness. Vocals, Simon Smallwood. Interesting, he gives, you know, in the brackets behind Simon Smallwood, it says Dead Hippie. Yeah. Bass, Chuck Dukowski. Backing vocals, Mark, Ed, Lou, Chuck. Blues harp by Dez. Percussion, Dez, Lou, Ed, Chuck. Synthesizers, Ethan James. Cover photo, Naomi Peterson, we mentioned that. Model, uh, she's actually credited as Dog Slut on the back here. Mm-hmm. And cover concept, Chuck. And then there's a quote by Chuck. It says, uh, open quotes, time is life and life is time. The fruit of the marriage is value, end quotes. Cool. No idea what that means. Lay, some, lay some dead wax on me, Ryan. Okay. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. No pressure. Yeah. So on the matter side, it says conceived pre-Frampton. Mm-hmm. So it was conceived way back in the early 70s. Yeah. And then the antimatter side says executed post-Frampton. Mm-hmm. Ballot result? Yeah, that's it for Worm. It's time for you to pick the ballot result. Ballot result. Can I guess? Yep. Should we be proud? Oh yeah. And it's all it's all Simon on that one. Did you actually like buy or track down that dead hippie record? No, I just listened to it on YouTube. I would buy it if I ever saw it though. Is it something that goes for a lot of money too? I don't think so. Like maybe fifteen bucks. I doubt it's super available though. I've never even heard of Pulse Records before. 
Yeah, it's probably not that easy to track down. Well, not where I live anyways, but yeah, I, I am curious to check it out just to see what it was like. I'm interested too, you mentioned Jack Grisham from TSOL. Do you like TSOL better or Joy Killer better? TSOL all the way. Okay, see, I'm a Joy Killer guy. Oh, yeah. I love that Beneath the Remains album. I like just about all t- TSOL, except for the... I don't mind the first album they did without Jack, but all the, you know... Metal? The the biker rock type shit from the late 80s with uh, Joe Wood or whatever his name is on vocals. I could, I could do without that. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I love TSOL. All right. Or so... sorry, Beneath the Shadows. Beneath the Remains is a Sepulchre album. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you gotta get you gotta get it straight. I know. Well, let's talk about next week. Yes. Next week is another. Can I call them a Brant band? Yep. It's SST forty two Saint Vitus, The Walking Dead, twelve inch EP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at MoJackPod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is MoJackPod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.